Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every Friday at 12pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as Nature-N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. Hello, welcome to The Garden Grows Live. I'm Trevor Cochran. Good morning to you all. We've got uh, quite a gang already joining us, which is fantastic. We've got a great program for you today, a lot going on. the first things I need to make make you aware of is that uh, we're looking for lots of questions coming through. The challenge is to answer more than 45 today and five people will win a copy of our Delish book and these are just about the last of the books that are available. So um, make sure that you get your questions in early and they're already flowing through from all over the country. Getting quite a few through from Melbourne this morning, which is fantastic. Hello everybody out in Melbourne. Just let me tell you a little bit about what's coming on uh, today. We've got some terrific things coming up for you. We've got a brilliant new rose, um, Australian first release. I'm very excited. And my guest who's joining me is a legend of the gardening industry, having released the world's most popular rose collection. I can't wait to uh, introduce you to Anthony. We've got um, uh, the team from Love the Garden and Greg is joining us. And uh, when it comes to knowledge, this guy, his knowledge on gardening is spectacular. I can't wait to talk to Greg. And we will be giving you a very special offer. Uh, This offer is something that um, will give you a chance to beautify your garden in such a lovely way um, with a terrific plant. And it's, of course, all due to our friends at Garden Express. I'm really looking forward to uh, spending a bit of time with uh, the team there later this morning. But first up, I I might just fly through a few of the questions that have been coming through just so that we get on top of it and then we'll catch up with Anthony. Um, The first one is Sue from Mernda in Melbourne. She's got herbs growing in a herb pot, uh, in brackets. Most of them are growing fine, but every time I plant my dill, it dies. And there's something that you can't see that is eating a basil. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the things you can't see that's that's eating your plants. Generally, it'll be because they're night active, not during the day. So you'll find that they're popping up at night. Um, more than likely, if it's eating basil, it's highly likely it's going to be a little looper caterpillar because they love to eat them, particularly this time of the year. And the solution for all of those chewing and sucking uh, insects is to use a, ideally use something that is going to be fairly safe. So a pyruthium-based uh, spray. There are a couple of other sprays out there that you can get. But of course, the thing to do is always to talk to your local garden center when you pop in to pick it up. Um, when it comes to the dill, Dill always does best. Thank you. I threw my jacket to one side and Michaela's looking after me. Um, But uh, 
one of the things with dill is that it is a plant that actually grows very well solitary. So can't really tell you why, but it does like to have a little bit of space to itself. It'll grow quite well with other dill plants. So mass planting in a pot is always a good way to go. So uh, Sue from Mernda in Melbourne, I hope that answers your questions. We're going to Manor Lakes in Victoria as well. Uh, Lisa has got a small area with four bushes of red roses and she very kindly uh, sent through uh, some photos. So we've got uh, some images, which really helps me when it comes to trying to work out what it is, but her problem's quite unique. She's got four red roses and one yellow. Every time, uh, every summer, the red roses will burn, but not the yellow. Now, the thing that I did notice with this, with a photo, is that if you have a look, the roses are planted on what looks like probably snowstone or, or a white gravel at best. Um, and this is probably what's causing the burn on the red roses. So some, some rose bushes do... Uh, do handle heat better than others, but roses, as a general comment, love heat. So if you've got lots of snowstone, you're getting lots and lots of heat coming through with summertime, it might be that it's just overheating those red roses and they're the first indicator to tell you that it's just a bit too hot for them. It's not good to overheat the plant's root system. It's actually a good idea to avoid that, trying to keep that nice and cool keep some moisture in around the roots and stops the plant from stressing. And I think that's what's going on with your red roses. So I would pull the snowstone away from the base of the plants and I'd put some nice thick mulch about 100 mil deep and that will really help. But I will ask Anthony Tesla a bit, bit later on as to whether that's what um, he thinks the problem might be too. Nolene from Lake Macquarie in New South Wales. She's got a tomato that's planted in a pot. It's got its leaves are turning yellow. What does it need? It needs fertilizer, Nolene. There is no doubt about it. Right at the moment, tomatoes are growing like crazy. They need a really good feed. Now, you're probably going to want to go for a double feed. It's a situation where you want, want to use a liquid over the foliage, but also something sustainable. See you later, guys. We've got people moving in and out of here as well. It's crazy, this studio. Um, and uh, the situation with that is that I would use a, a really good controlled release, something very, very well balanced, like Osmocote. Absolutely brilliant, but I would be using a liquid as well. I might ask Greg about that a bit later on. Um, Susan, she, I'm not sure where you're from, Susan, it does help, um, but it does help to have your address. But this particular question I can help anyway because you've been watching one of the episodes, a past episode on, on Nine Life, I'm, I'm assuming, and Trevor was planting a plant, replanting a plant that helps you lose weight. So I know that's from the last series and she didn't get the name of it. Can anybody tell me what it's called, please? It is called Yarkon. That's Y-A-C-O-N. Now this is a plant, a root tuber. It's a plant that originates from the sunflower family, comes from South America. It is amazing in so many different ways. The tuber tastes like an apple, maybe a cross between an apple and a pear with maybe the texture of a, of a water chestnut. It's probably the best description I can give you. It's sweet, it's delicious, and it's full of a fibre that doesn't break down in your in your gut very easily, and it improves your gut health. And as a consequence, your body, your metabolism improves, and you find you'll lose weight at around about a kilo a month until your body reaches some kind of equilibrium. Now, the trick with that is you, you have to consume about 50 grams, which is about a handful per day in your diet, which is very easy to do to eat it raw, but you can also buy it as a, as a syrup in your local uh, health food store. So you won't find it commonly, but you will find it there. A lot cheaper to grow it at home. 
Jennifer, um, I hope, uh, what have we got? We've got Jennifer from, from Lake Macquarie again. I hope you can, uh, let's have a look at this name, some deciduous trees that grow no more than six metres in height. They get blossoms and could be planted on the western side of your house. Now, it depends on your temperature. Obviously, cherries are a wonderful tree. In a few weeks' time, I'm looking forward to catching up with Wes Fleming from Fleming's Nursery. They have introduced many wonderful trees that would fit into this. You've got your plums, your flowering plums, your flowering cherries. They're probably the ones that are the best for that situation. If you're looking, if you were looking for evergreens, um, I would probably consider some of the magnolias. Magnolias will grow, deciduous magnolias will grow very well. And I know that Anthony's got a beautiful one in his collection from uh, from Tesla's. First up though, we're gonna fly off to, uh, off to New South Wales. We're gonna catch up with Greg Neighbour from Evergreen Garden Care. Um, love the garden, they're a, a big supporter of ours. And Greg, good morning to you. Good morning. Great to catch up, mate. How's life going over there? Life in, uh, in New South Wales is fabulous. Um, you know, we, we like our state. We like to be isolated to it. And <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, it's all pretty, uh, pretty opening up and, you know, pretty good these days. Back at work, back in the office, that sort of thing. Everything's gone back to normal. Now, tell me a little bit about the weather over there at the moment and how, uh, how gardens are prepared. Uh, responding at present? Um, yeah, so the weather's been uh, a little bit up and down. We, we opened uh, last month with it being quite warm, but then it uh, chilled off again. So there's been a, a kind of a, an effect in, in some of the deciduous flowering trees, etc. Um, and uh, I need power. Um, the <laughs> We've been waiting for a while and my, my battery's just gone. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so a uh, bit of spotty, spot flowering, etc. but it's warming up now. Uh, good week of rain last week. Uh, all looking pretty good, actually. That's going to stimulate a fair amount of growth, Greg. And one of my favourite plants in New South Wales, and I know they, they're sort of flowering in and around at the moment, are the waratahs. They're, a, they're an amazing plant and really, you know, the, they don't really perform as well anywhere else in the country. There's just something that's unique about your environment and soils there that have waratahs perform so well, right? Absolutely. The waratah is our, our state, uh, yes, the state emblem, mm -hmm. uh, and rightfully so. It's a magnificent flower. Um, it's in the Protasi group, so uh, it has, you know, particular phosphorus sensitivity, uh, lo likes a very low nutrient soil. Uh, it's mainly around the Sydney Basin in, in the sandstone areas around the Hawkesbury, because mm -hmm. it's native area up into the mountains. So um, sandstone, uh, you know, it's actually uh, quite tolerates quite quite cold conditions, cool conditions in the mountains, right down to um, to sea level. So. It's uh, early. And plant breeders have done a lot with them in, in uh, the last sort of 20, 30 years, bringing different colours through as well, haven't they? Uh, the pinks and the whites, the New Zealanders actually did a lot uh, in regard to the white waratah breeding um, many years ago. Yep. And, uh, you know, the pink's absolutely beautiful. And But uh, I've actually seen the pink uh, in nature, so uh, out here on the Karingai National Park uh, a few years ago, I saw a naturally flowering pink. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, but that's all. It's white to red. Mm -hmm. None of the yellows, purples. Well, there is a purple, I believe, as well. 
So with with those, they're obviously in garden centres now, it's a, it's a really good example of some of the many beautiful native plants that are, you know, are great to grow, but not necessarily in all garden environments. And when you're in a situation where maybe you don't have the Perth, like, so I'll give you a good example. If you live on the uh, the coastal plain here in Perth, soils generally on the coast side are very alkaline, but on the on the other side of the Swan River and Canning Rivers, it's very acidic. Um, it's very difficult to find the right conditions to get waratahs to perform unless you grow them in pots. But to grow them in pots, you need a specific type of potting mix, right? Um, so the waratah banks here, hakeas, um, quite a, quite a range of, of popular, well-known uh, Australian natives are uh, are in the Protaceae group and have a degree of uh, sensitivity to to phosphorus in the soil. Yeah. Um, so that phosphorus sensitivity uh, is an evolutionary development uh, of that plant group uh, in response to the fact that Australian the Australian continent is very old. And being very old, it's very leached and weathered. And so the soils are very low in phosphorus naturally. So the plants have developed this mechanism where they extract a lot of what available phosphorus there is from the soil. And when you when you apply a standard fertilizer, of course, those plants continue to have the ability to suck up more phosphorus than most plants are able to. And as a result, can kill themselves. So. We develop uh, specific potting mixes and fertilizer products that cater specifically to that need for the for many Australian natives, not all. Yep. So, so if uh, people in in Perth or in in Melbourne, I know up in the Dandenongs where um, where Garden Express and and where ATI's uh, Anthony Tesla International's headquarters are, um, they actually grow very well in around that region up there. But again, down on the flatlands, not necessarily performing as well. You're a lot better to put them into pots, aren't you? If you really want to get the best out of them. Uh, there's a specific native potting mix, isn't there, being developed for, which you guys have developed, and your, I know it's a lot of your research has gone into it, to ensure that people get the best result from these phosphorus-sensitive plants. Indeed, and it's a, it's a combination of what's in the, the process of, develop, of producing the, the potting mix itself, but specifically the fertiliser. Um, the one way that you can help remove phosphorus from availability to the plant is to use iron sulfate or iron. So chemically iron binds with phosphorus, makes it an insoluble thing in the soil and therefore the plant has difficulty getting that phosphorus. So we kind of buffer any potential future or present phosphorus availability with higher levels of iron. And once you have higher levels of iron in the plant itself, then there's a potential that it also uh, has an ability within its own uh, cell structures to lock phosphorus out from from metabolic availability to the plant. See, this is why we need guys like you behind the development of these products because you put so much research into obviously making sure that it is the right mix, the right blend, and that it delivers the results. And and this is where trusted brands like Osmocote are just so important. You know, you can rely on Osmocote potting mix because of this enormous amount of research you put in behind it. Oh, thanks for the comments. Uh, we, we now have our, our trial station and we look forward to hosting uh, 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 you there at some time. Yeah. Trial station outside of Sydney now uh, is, a, is the, the dedicated to, um, to developing products for the consumer. 
in the Australian market, the only one here. So that's um, something that, uh, yeah, we used to do that sort of work in. It's fabulous. It's a. It's like this is the sort of thing that is really taking us ahead. And I think probably the one thing that needs to be said is that a majority of the the product that you guys bring to market comes to the domestic consumer market as a consequence of a success in commercial enterprises. So commercial nurseries, also in Broadacre and so on. That's been the foundation of of your business for a long period of time, hasn't it? And that's why. That's why gardeners can trust the brands. Oh, it's um, you know, it's 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 always fascinating if you do three or four years work in one particular plant in 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 a situation, you you end up learning an awful lot about that yeah. particular plant. And if you're as old as I am and you've spent that much time in the industry studying an individual plant all over the world for your life, uh, there's an accumulated knowledge that has a benefit to to the consumer through through our products. Greg, that, that's what's wonderful about what you do. You're obviously sharing that knowledge and developing products that are really delivering results at ground level. If, if folks want to get their hands on uh, Osmocote for Australian natives, um, they're going to find that in their local Bunnings Garden Centre, aren't they? Bunnings Garden Centres across the country. Um, yep. A lot of other independents have, uh, have uh, Devco brands and others as well. So yep. all from, uh, from, from Evergreen. Wonderful. Um, a little quick uh, quick tip um, that I always find useful if you've got a, a, a phosphorus sensor, a protease, Australian native plant in a, in a pot and you still see the leaves yellowing, just go and put it in a high shade situation and the leaves over a few days will green back up again. So it's, right. a, it's a trick we use in the commercial world also to, to green them up irrespective of what's in the soil. That's a great tip. That's that's fantastic. What about watering with natives, Greg? You got any suggestions there? Well, among natives uh, across the board, if you look at the country, you can see, particularly in your first stands, that they're very well drained. So natives generally will not uh, like wet feet, uh, heavy clay soils, uh, those sorts of things. So they would prefer to have, um, uh, let's say, reasonably well watered, but well drained is, yes. is the main criteria. That's so, yeah. Greg, thanks so much for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure to see you again. And uh, again, as always, whenever I spend time with you, I've learnt so much. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. See you Cheers, again. mate. Visit the Garden Guru's online store and browse through a collection of high-quality, German-made wolf garden tools. You'll also find a range of books with information to help create and maintain a beautiful garden. You can also access the online store on the Garden Gurus Facebook page. Use the code GURUS for free shipping on orders over $30. Offer ends 31st of October. We better get on with some questions because we've got a lot coming through. Uh, we're going to head back to Victoria Bendigo. Bridget, um, thank you very much. She says, I love your show. Um, she planted a wisteria last winter. It's got lots of greenery and no flowers. Could you please advise me on what to do? I'll advise you on what not to do. Don't go feeding your wisteria too much. In fact, uh, with wisteria, once they're mature, try and keep them quiet, you know, treat, treat them mean, like a good husband. You know, if you treat them mean, you'll keep them keen and they'll produce lots and lots of flowers next year. There was a trick that my grandfather used with a jacaranda, which is going to be my plant of the week a bit later on, um, and that was to lean the axe against it. And somehow or other, the tree realises that uh, it better produce some flowers or else it's in big trouble. So, um, 
I would uh, just keep it keep it dry, keep it on the drier side. Don't feed it too much. Don't give it too much high nutrient uh, uh, nitrogen nutrient, and you won't get lots of greenery. You will get more flower. And don't be scared to pr give it a prune now. It does do them the world of good to do a summer prune and get them into shape. Uh, and don't prune them too hard in wintertime because you could also cut all the flower buds off. That's the other other thing to be aware of. Andrea in Glen Waverley, Victoria. Hello, can I grow cuttings from the fronds and the roots that come off my fruit cellar plant? Well, not the leaves as such, but certainly the stems. Absolutely, they grow really well. And if you cut them into lengths about this big and you lay those lengths sideways on propagation mix and bury, half bury them in, what you'll find is all the growth buds will pop out the top and the roots will pop out the bottom and you'll end up with beautiful little plants popping up all the way through. So uh, the fruit salad plant or, or Monstera, um, they grow really well that way. So Andrea, yes, you can. Graham from Alexander Heights in Perth, our first Perth question today. Why is my tumble compost always wet and clumpy? I always add a lot of dry matter. So it, it would seem to me that you're getting a lot of moisture in there and that's really going to be an indication that um, it's either the, one of the green ingredients is very, very high in moisture content or there's water getting in there one way or another. Um, the mix, of course, between green and dry when it comes to compost, ideally there should be about 60% green and about 40% dry. And the trick is to, to mix it through. But if you've got a tumble composter, then you should be turning it every day. And the ideal scenario is to turn it 10 times a day. And then every four weeks, you'll have beautiful compost in there. So the trick is probably more about that aeration, getting the aeration through. And if you can't get a lot of, uh, if you're finding that it's still like that, um, get some chicken wire mold it up into balls and pop that inside and that'll open it up a little bit and allow a bit more air through because that's all you need to do with compost because it's actually the, the microbes that are in the soil that need lots of air um, that will break it down very quickly. That's the whole idea of compost tumblers. Hope that helps. Gail in the central coast of New South Wales. She's got a banana tree that's flowered. However, I have no idea what to do with it. Please help. Gail, let it do its own thing. I am picking the huge bunches of bananas from mine at home and they're now just starting to put new flowers out as well and they'll do their own thing. They're the most amazing plant. They have these huge, big, long cascading flowers and as they come down, each of those flowers will ultimately be a beautiful banana. So just let it do its thing. Don't feed it. Don't overwater it. Just let it do its thing now. Um, we're getting very close to talking to Anthony Tesla and I'm really excited. Anthony one of the most interesting people I've ever met, great friend of mine and uh, knowledge is spectacular. But um, I wanted to bring you back to Perth at the moment and I know that the same thing's happening in Sydney and I'm sure it's about to happen in Melbourne if it's not already. But the jacarandas here are ablaze with beautiful blues and whites and there is also now a pink jacaranda out there and jacaranda trees are just one of those gorgeous trees that really this time of the year they just change the whole landscape with their spectacular flowering. Now, not everybody loves them because they do drop a lot of flower on the ground and that requires a little bit of cleaning up, but that's where a blower vat comes through. And just as a point of interest with those flowers, be very, very hard to find a better mulch. They make the most amazing mulch in a garden. So as we're moving into winter, if you're concerned about all the jacaranda flowers building up, then all you have to do is collect it, lay it in layers about that deep across the top of garden beds 
it'll break down, it'll hold moisture, it'll put nutrient back into the soil and that is one of the great values of having jacaranda trees. You do need a bit of room. They are a larger tree, but my goodness, they are beautiful trees. And if you want to know anything more about them, simple way to find out more information is just to visit our website because we have fact sheets and great videos on plants just like the jacaranda. Garden Express are Australia's leading mail order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on the Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer. So make sure after today's show, you jump online and visit their website. Now, I, uh, I get pretty excited about new release plants. And uh, when I was a young man, when I was uh, in my very early 20s, I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity to work as a buyer back in those days for Kmart, looking after their garden department. And uh, it was over here in, in Western Australia where I'm based. And uh, every few months I would get to go to Melbourne and I'd get to meet some of the country's leading plant breeders, marketers and mines. And uh, one day a chap by the name of Anthony Tesla came into the office with a brilliant new range of roses. And uh, Anthony came in and uh, he has a certain certain bit of confidence that you're about to, to see. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. And he, re- he introduced a brand new range of, of roses that he said would be the world's biggest selling roses. They're called flower carpet. And we all know now that flower carpet are indeed the world's most popular rose collection. They are the biggest seller. They are ground cover roses. What made them so successful was not just the beautiful color selection of those roses, but most importantly was their disease resistance, which Anthony recognized was the key between getting great results at home, avoiding using chemicals and failure because so many people have problems with getting black spot and and powdering mildew and fungal diseases on their roses and not getting the results. So when I found out recently that Anthony is about to release a brand new range of roses, I was pretty excited, particularly because I know the heritage of where these have come from. So I want to bring Anthony into the conversation. Anthony, hello, mate. It's lovely to see you this morning. I think there, there you are. How's life in Melbourne? Brilliant. And then beautiful weather. Every two or three days we get some beautiful rain and then the, the sunshine, the weather is just perfect for growing. And one of the things that we're actually seeing is that the colour of green is actually quite distinct differently this year. Uh, the plants and the trees, they're so lush in their growth. The green tint is different than normal. There's a lot more energy in that green tint that you see in all the trees here outside. Wonderful. We're we're really enjoying it. Anthony, you um, normally, you know, my chance of running into you is more likely when I'm traveling overseas than it is in Australia because, you know, your flower carpet rose collection is grown widely right across the world. And, uh, and your company operating out of Melbourne services the needs of growers throughout the world with technical advice and, and, uh, support and, uh, you're always traveling, but of course, COVID's changed everything. We've all got to be able to spend a lot more time at home. So that's probably why you're appreciating the green even more. Uh, I think so. And this is the first time we've been home over winter for the last 20 odd years or 25 years. Yep. So it's, it's been very different, and uh, but it's been so enjoyable too. Yeah, really look, I think- 
think we, we've all enjoyed the slowdown in some ways. It's been really lovely to spend more time back at home and I'm seeing it myself in my own garden. I'm just enjoying things so much more. Anthony, I love roses. I, I think that they are probably one of the most underestimated beauties of the garden. They're so rewarding. They deliver so much. I'm really excited because I'm about to do a little mini story on flower carpets. I've got a, a very like a five foot high wall uh, as a retaining wall with a garden bed on top that cascades down over uh, my lawn area and cascading over that wall are flower carpet roses that are all about to burst into flower in the next week or two. And they, they've been a revolution. You know, we, prior to the ground covers arriving, we were all about hybrid teas and bush roses and things like that. And we kind of never recognised the value of landscape roses um, in beautifying large, significant areas or in pots like I've also got. So this new range of roses is about to change everything again you've revolutionized again tell me a little bit about the showpiece roses yes that's well we first started off going back to the flower carpet by the same breeder noax in germany and uh, it took mr werner noack 25 30 years to change because he wanted disease tolerant roses and there weren't disease tolerant roses around and so he was worried that it would affect the sale of roses in the long term. So he kept on breeding and breeding and it took him 25 years and developed the first flower carpet rose. And sure, it was a real, it was a breakthrough that really we needed in the industry. And uh, so, you know, today they've sold over 19 million around the world. And it was wow. Now, I just sent you a photo before of, <clears throat> of the garden here and we got white flower carpet in full bloom just at the moment and those plants are 30 years old. And if you just see them now, there's no, we've had rose people, rose specialists come out and they say they can't be 30 years old. They yeah. look as though they're only a couple of years old, but they are just so brilliant. <clears throat> so in essence, the same breeder, like, you mentioned before about the disease that's in a lot of the hybrid teas yeah. and the garden roses. And well, he developed the uh, flower carpet series and then he decided he wanted to work on the garden series. And so, you know, the hybrid tea type. And so yeah. he spent, his son spent now another 23 years on looking and developing and breeding across because often he'd get a beautiful looking plant but all of a sudden it go in disease again. And yeah. so he was looking for disease free and he was also looking for fragrant in the same plant. And invariably, when you have fragrance, um, you have more disease. And so to get this it was a double, double whammy, I suppose. Yeah. And so we've been watching this for the last 10 years as he was getting closer and closer. And today, um, yes, he has, uh, develop these. Currently, we've got about four varieties in the uh, in the first release, and there's more colours coming. And we go to the trial gardens every year, and it's fascinating to see what is developing. The other thing with these roses, they're grown on their own roots, so you don't have those suckers coming out, which yep. often you have your rose and you get these suckers coming through, and they had to have to get a rose to grow on its own roots. It's got to be really tough and hardy in its own right. Yeah. So he, in essence, called them the all-in-one rose, uh, which is 
disease-free, or sorry, nothing's disease-free, disease-tolerant, yep. um, fragrant, colourful, and a nice-looking bush. And it, to have all of that in one group is phenomenal. So we call them showpiece because they are really a showpiece of the Garden Rose game. Great name. Great name. A Anthony, the thing that I like about plants growing on their own roots, roses growing on their own root system, mm -hmm. is that they tend to grow to a point where you can lean over and take in the fragrance, whereas grafted roses, particularly hybrid teas, often send their, their roses up above your head and the fragrance is often lost. You actually have to pull the rose down or at least you know, tiptoe up to sort of be able to appreciate them. But when you're looking down over that display of flowers, you're getting the benefit of the colour at eye level, at the right level for you to be able to appreciate it, but also obviously that benefit of the fragrance also wafting up. And so your all your senses are being stimulated uh, in roses that I suppose really are going to change everything, I think, for home gardeners. And uh, there's four, you've mentioned the four, so berry, blush, yes. champagne, and lipstick, I believe. Correct, yes. Now, and the other... Go on, sorry. I was going to say, the size of those roses, are they normal-sized flower heads? How, how big do they get? Um, I just went out there this morning and took some photos uh, for myself, and they actually start out as a normal hybrid tea-type flower. Yep. And then they open fully to almost an English-type flower, where I had them uh, totally covering my whole hand there. And they are just brilliant like they go through this change and you normally either see in a hybrid tea it's there as a hybrid tea and that's it and it falls yep. over but this opens up with that hybrid tea look and then it just gets bigger and bigger and it just gets flooded with petals wow they, I'm, I'm looking at some pictures that uh, that i've got in front of me and they they do have that um that english rose sort of complexity don't they as they as they get more 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 and more mature so uh this is going to be the rose flower that just keeps getting better and better as it as it evolves yeah it almost goes through three stages the, the initial hybrid tea then the full flowering and then it almost ends up like a pure english rose wow very, very fascinating to get all of that in the one rose so could I just ask you for some planting tips? What I take it they'll do very well in pots. I, they look like they'd be wonderful pot plants. But but in gardens, what's the best scenario for people planting out in gardens? What should they be doing? Just with anything, with all roses, but it's primarily you plant them. Oh, these are normally you'd buy them in pots. We don't sell bare root roses. So yep. they're all, all bought in pots through a nursery or Bunnings. And... You just dig a hole about 50% bigger than the pot size, put it in the ground, cover it, give it a good soaking of water. And uh, I like a bit of mulch on top because it keeps the moisture in, especially in the drier areas. Yep. Put it in a sunny spot and just let it go. It's that easy. If you want more flowers, when they're finished flowering, you just snip the top off and they'll re-come back again. They sound amazing, Anthony. But where are people going to be able to find them? They're going to be in all good garden centres, I take it, all around the country? Yes, there's the first release this year, so they're limited in uh, availability, um, but they'll be in uh, garden centres and also in Bunnings. Terrific. And if people want to find out a bit more, they can visit your website? 
Yes, on our website, uh, they can either just type in Showpiece Roses or they can go to tesla.com. Um, but yeah, if you just type in Showpiece Roses, it'll come up on our website. Anthony, that is fantastic. I really appreciate your time this morning. It's great to catch up. You're looking well. I'm feeling brilliantly fit. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Every day is a fabulous day, man. <laughs> Mate, look, thanks so much for joining us. I, I really can't wait to catch up again sometime soon as borders start to open. I think uh, it's going to be lovely to be able to, to come and spend some time in your beautiful display gardens. I might be able to come across. Today is number 14 day with zero new cases. How good's that? Hey, listen, um, just, just want to make sure that everybody's aware we have got uh, a story coming up where we will feature the showpiece roses on the Garden Gurus. And of course, as I mentioned, I'll also be doing something with flower carpets as well. So keep your eye out for the Garden Gurus. And if you want to know more, check out Anthony's website. Anthony Tesla, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see you. A real pleasure. Nice to see you again. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as nature N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. I'm going to go into a few questions. We've certainly stimulated the interest in roses. Vera, we're not sure where you're from, Vera. Uh, may I ask why my rose is not flowering much this year? Gives me leaves which look a bit burnt. What should I do? It's an old tree we inherited. Sounds to me like it might need a little bit of extra love and care. And my advice would be that if the leaves are looking a bit burnt, that's probably suggesting that the roots are getting a little bit water stressed because they're there's always a correlation between what's going on above with what's actually going on below. So Anthony just mentioned before about mulching, brilliant tip that one. Roses love mulch, nice 100 mil layer of, of composted organics in around the base of the plant, not up against the stem, but in around the base of the plant, particularly on the drip zone, that's the outside edge of the canopy of the rose. And feed. If it's an older plant, giving it fertilizer will stimulate good growth. But don't go using a high nitrogen fertilizer. Try and use a flower promoting fertilizer. And there are specialized blends for that. So, so I hope that helps you, Vera. Now we uh, continue on. Judy from Bendigo. She's planted 20 bare root roses this year. Most are doing fine, but I've had two fall over recently. Now, I've staked them, but I'm wondering if I need to do anything else. Well, staking is certainly very important. If they've fallen over, it probably suggests that you didn't plant them deep enough. I, I tend to think that um, when the root system's not very strong, um, and uh, depends, it could be just that you've had some extreme weather conditions and it's blowing them over, but staking them is the solution because when bare-rooted roses go into the ground, those new roots have to start to sort of evolve and, and move through the soil before they can provide that anchoring that the plant needs. So in the short term, staking them, particularly if you're in windy conditions, really does make the world of difference. Uh, we're traveling back to Perth, Nevis. My magnolia teddy bears are looking a little sad. The leaves are dropping off and when the new leaves come through, they're covered in black spots. Well, 
it's a really interesting plant. I've got it at home. I love my teddy bear magnolias. These are an evergreen magnolia with beautiful big white plate-sized flowers that are wonderfully fragrant. But what makes it unique are the leaves have this wonderful brown fuzzy fur underneath, which is where the teddy bear uh, name has come from. And um, they do have a habit of being sort of almost semi-deciduous. They seem to drop their leaves in flushes, and it occurs when you get a rapid change of moisture level in the soil. And it's the plant literally managing the amount of foliage that it has on the top with the amount of water that's available to be taken up through the roots. So it suggests that your ground is drying out now. The plants have been dropping some leaves to shed to balance the, the supply, I suppose. And those, some of those leaves are going to get black spots as they start to sort of fall apart. But what you should see is you should see new growth starting to emerge now. And feeding them is vitally important. There's a common theme with, um, with pretty much everything we do with plants this time of the year, and that's about supporting the growth. So as they grow, they use energy, they need more energy to be available for them. If you don't supply the energy, they slow down the growth. It's a very simple thing. Nevis, what I would recommend you do is you get them a good all-round fertiliser. Osmocote is absolutely brilliant. And um, I would suggest probably that you actually look at one of the more acidic um, kinds of forms of Osmocote, something that's designed for azaleas, camellias and magnolias. Um, and you'll see that in one of the collections that they've got there. Kayleen from Queensland. I'm not sure what part of Queensland, big state. Um, you want to know the best way to propagate Euphorbia crown of thorns. This is an unusual plant. So this is where you go and you cut your you cut your cuttings away and then you lay them on the ground and you leave them for a day. So you want that sap to dry um, completely before you go planting it into soil. And then once you do it, you can buy this. Um, it's an Osmocote potting mix for cuttings. It's a propagation mix uh, for cuttings and seed growing. And you can quite literally put it into pots and you put one single cutting per pot and you water it probably only once a week. You don't need to give them very much water. They will slowly develop a root system into that potting mix. Once they've developed, you can then plant them into a bigger potting mix with an all-round general potting mix. So maybe the Osmocote Professional Mix would be the way to go. Euphorbia Crown of Thorns has some beautiful flowers in the summer months. Now, Ryan, unknown um, where you're from, Ryan, but your problem is one that a lot of people who are into indoor plants, and there's a lot of people into indoor plants, are all saying the same issue, and that's fungus gnats. They don't like them. How can they get rid of them for once and for all in the most efficient manner? So fungus gnats are not an insect that, that damages the plant. They're there because of the organic material in the potting mix that you're using. If you want to get rid of them forever, it's time to repot your plants. And we talked about Osmocote. There's lots of different types of potting mixes. There's a very special Osmocote for indoor plants, and it only uses uh, a coir base, not an organic bark base. And what's really good about that coir is that it doesn't break down and it doesn't supply a... Um, a home for fungus gnats to appear. They're only there because they've got the perfect conditions in moist soil with lots and lots of uh, organic compost and pine bark. This other mix, this indoor plant mix from, uh, from Osmocote is available through outlets like Bunnings. And if you repot your plants into that right now, they'll not only grow away and be really happy, but you won't see any fungus gnats after that. The only other solution to fungus gnats is uh, well, there's two. There's, obviously, you can spray them. Prefer you didn't do that. Let's avoid chemicals. You can use those yellow, yellow sticky traps. 
um, they will attract the fungus gnats to those and it's a good way to control it. Bernard in Victoria, when you spray power feed indoor fertiliser on the plant soil, do you have to pour water on top afterwards so that the fertiliser penetrates the soil? I've got self-watering pots, so I don't usually water the plant from the top. Um, Bernard, certainly to get movement of any fertiliser through the soil profile, moisture has to move down. It will take those those nutrients down and make them more available as they as they go. So watering from the top the next time you're topping your plant up is a good way to go if you're using that kind of fertiliser. But the interesting thing with that power feed indoor fertiliser is it's also absorbed through the leaves. So the plant can take that down through the foliage. So that's one of the great benefits of it. And you don't have to water it off the foliage. The plant will do all the, the hard work. Susan from Victoria, how do you get waratah seeds to germinate? Interesting question, Susan. This is one where you take the seeds, you collect them, put them into a jar, so they've got to be completely dry, put them into a jar and fill that jar up with hot water. Pop the lid on top and let them sit for at least an hour and then take them out and plant them into a specialised, ideally probably a, a coarse river sand and peat um, propagation mix. They do like it. Uh, to be very free draining, and that will get them off to the best possible start. But interesting thing about uh, waratah is that there is a correlation between a soil-borne fungi that connects with the roots, and that connects it to minerals and allows them to to take up nutrients. And so, at some point, they're going to have to come in contact with natural soil, so that that naturally occurring um, fungus is actually there. Now, specialist breeders or growers. Uh, actually uh, inoculate the soil with that fungus. So it's where the difficulty of growing them um, can really come into play, uh, particularly in Victoria. So my suggestion is get them growing in, the, in the, the small pot, get them into the soil as quickly as you can. That's, that's really the key. Whew, we are, uh, we're flying along with a whole bunch of great questions and we're about to be joined by David Van Berkel. Now, David is the Managing Director at Garden Express. He is one of the busiest men in the business, I reckon. He has got, I don't think there's been a, a nursery in the country that's been as busy as what you guys are because you deliver direct to people's doorsteps, David. Good morning to you. Good morning, Trevor. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks for joining us this morning. It's, um, it's a really big deal these days. You know, with isolation, it saw so many of us shopping online and we suddenly realised we can buy plants online and have them delivered direct to our door so that we can literally just pick up the box, take it out into the garden and get gardening. And you guys made it all happen. It's been a real eye-opener for people, Trevor, but we've been doing this for a very long time. Um, but it has been an extremely busy year. We're looking forward to a Christmas break, but we're still enjoying shipping, you know, heaps and heaps of orders. Now, tell me, we've got, um, we've got a lot of friends following us um, these days and there's a lot of people looking for the latest, greatest plant or something that's right in season now to be planting and that's what you guys specialise in. You've got a special offer for our viewers today, haven't you? We have, Trevor. We've got some beautiful pig face for you this week. So we've okay. got five different colours in our beautiful 75ml pots for thirty one fifty. That's a saving of over 20%. Wow, that's a great deal. So this, uh, these plants are spectacular ground covers. They love a sunny spot in the garden. Absolutely. And look, they tolerate some of the harshest conditions. So, you know, full sun, they love a bit of wind, um, salt tolerant, the rocky grounds, clay even, as long as you've got a bit of, you know, some drainage, 
they'll yep. hold together, you know, that sort of steep bank that you've got. You can yeah. put them in hanging baskets, Trevor. And, and these colours that you've got, they are just stunning. Some, sometimes they – I think pig face is an unfair name for this plant. It's such a beautiful plant. It's also known as the ice flower in some parts of the world because the, the flowers are almost like the ice crystals. And I think that's – it's such an ugly name for such a beautiful plant, but they do that that ground cover cascading thing so well, don't they? It's so funny that you say that because they're spectacular and those colours are like iridescent, right? They're just yeah. uh, glowing and really, really bright. And, and my favourite one's an orange one, uh, which we haven't got in the range. It's really hard to get, but I've got a couple in my garden, Trevor, and they're just spectacular. Well, I'd imagine they'll be coming to uh, to the the offer pretty soon, by the sounds of it, because you you, uh, you propagated so much stuff. You're getting so many amazing different plants. Five colours. I've got two in my two colours in my garden. I I know you have a white, I think, in that mix as well, and and that is just one that I've got to get my hands on. So I'll be doing that. To do that, all we have to do is go online to Garden Express, GardenExpress.com.au, and look for the Guru's office. And you'll find the pig face collection there. Hey, mate, that's a that's a great deal. Before you, before you disappear, because I know you're a busy man, but before you disappear, I wanted to talk to you uh, briefly about the bucket barrow. So you introduced me to this. This is an innovation that um, so you know that uh, that we, we've got the Garden Gurus TV show, but we've we've also got I've got a, a landscape company, and I managed to get my hands on one of those barrows, and they are sensational. And now I can't get it off the guys who work for me. The landscapers love it. You'll have to get yourself another one. So Michael was a builder, and he designed this barrow uh, based on all of the problems that he had with building, carrying buckets of cement around, and and in your normal barrow they would just roll. So he squared it up a little bit and just made it perfect. And then that adapted itself, of course, to the garden. You can go down with a heap of pots, a bucket full of water, have your tools in another bucket. You've got like five or six different buckets. One of them's a scoop to to pick up your leaf matter and that one that you sweep up. Uh, It's just a brilliant concept, isn't it? So uh, people are loving it all over Australia. Yeah, Australian innovation. I love it. That's the sort of thing that we should all be doing is supporting those kinds of innovations. Now, if people wanted to get their hands on it, they can order it through you guys through... Uh, obviously through gardenexpress.com.au. Yes, but, indeed. But we also you're, running have, a, you're running a competition, aren't you? We are. We are, Trevor. So we're running it on Facebook. So you just have to uh, tell us in 25 words or less why you would like to have a bucket barrow for your garden and, uh, and that will get you into the competition. And we're giving one away with a few other goodies to go with it, some kneeling pads and some garden tools, uh, exactly as we described the bucket's good for. Yeah, that's um, absolutely brilliant, mate. Folks, make sure you jump onto the Facebook page and enter that competition. The Bucket Barrow really is, it's probably the first real innovation I've seen in wheelbarrows in my whole career, really. It's, it's, it's amazing what somebody can do to rethink something that's made such a massive difference to the way you garden. It's some, it's some of those simplest things, isn't it? And But what it takes for somebody to to actually reinvent like that. And I, and I remember you calling me to say how fascinated you were by the simplicity of the changes, but how, yeah. how functional it is in your garden. So, yeah, I got one for, for my wife. As soon as she saw it, she said, get me one. Now we've got two on the place because, yeah, they're just so um, so usable, user-friendly. You know, when I, when I first looked at it, it was one of those things I kind of looked at and I went, this all just makes sense. Why didn't we do this before? It's so clever. 
one of those moments, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great to see something like that, mate. Great competition. Thank you very much. And the five pig face uh, for $31.50, the saving of 20%. Great deal. Gardenexpress.com.au. Get them while you can, because I know the biggest issue we get is people writing back to us saying, it's already sold out. This happens a lot. Actually, I was just going to mention, we've got some hops this year, Trevor, for those uh, beer lovers. You can really? grow your own hops, yeah. So, But they're selling out really quickly. We've still got three varieties out of the five that we had. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought I'd just throw that in there because it's something new when you're talking about what gardeners might want to do that's in season. I know quite a few people that wouldn't mind growing their own hops at home. It's a lovely climbing plant too. So great idea, great suggestion, mate. Great catching up with you. I look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, cheers, mate. You have a, uh, a good weekend. You do the same. Thanks, David. Now we've got lots of questions coming through. Um, it's absolutely flat out, actually. We're heading to Adelaide, which is great. So um, from one of the southern suburbs of Adelaide, uh, Josie's got a Morea. She's had it for 40 years, but it never flowers. The buds develop, but they never make it to flower. She liquid fertilizes. But what else can you do? to stimulate flowering. It's quite an unusual thing because if you're getting flower bud developing, they shouldn't be dropping off. And it's more likely that that's a physiological problem, something that's causing shock for the plant at the time that it's coming into flower. And if if it is that, and I suspect that it is, it's more likely to be that it's actually drying out that's causing some stress. And the plants tend to naturally, when they dry out, drop foliage and they will drop flower. So my suggestion would be to get some mulch and put a layer of mulch under the, we're getting a bit of a common theme today, aren't we? Uh, In and around the base of that plant, Uh, definitely give it some feed and make sure that it's getting water. That's a a vitally important thing as well. Uh, Bob from Mount Lawley in Perth. Hi, Bob. He's planted a Virginia creeper in several locations around the house. He's read that it's considered to be an invasive species in some parts of the world. Is this the case for WA? I will tell you honestly, that uh, I've seen it um, in the Perth Hills where the the seed is being eaten by birds, I'm suggesting, or I would expect, and it will pop up in different places. It does not grow in the bush because it can't handle the long, dry period of time, but it can pop up in other places in your garden. Beautiful plant though, wonderful, um, wonderful way to screen walls, particularly if you've got, you know, ugly walls or fences, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think, to be quite honest, in the suburbs, it's really not going to be an issue, Bob. I wouldn't go pulling it out. Um, I would be just enjoying it. I think that that's probably the best thing to do. You know, we've had a lot of calls, a lot of guests today. It's been flat out, but we're always here to help. And if you have any garden questions, all you have to do is simply check out our Facebook page and post them there. We'd love to answer them. Our winners of the five delish books today are Andrea from Glen Waverley in Victoria, Bridget from Bendigo in Victoria, Gail from the Central Coast in New South Wales, Judy in Victoria and Josie in Adelaide. Please send us a message and we will organise for your books to come your way. It uh, It's a great privilege to have you all join us and thanks so much for your support it's it for today's episode of the garden gurus live thanks for joining us the garden guru spring series continues this weekend make sure you check your local guides but generally it's at 4 30 on channel 9 right across the country uh we do have a lot of repeats running on nine life at the moment and of course you can catch up with past episodes on nine now.com.au watch them when you want 
and you can listen back to today's live stream and catch up with the various episodes that we've produced previously on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Podbean. Thanks very much. The Garden Guru is live. We'll be back next week, 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time next Friday. I'm really looking forward to seeing you then. And I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. Big thanks to Michaela and Jimmy here for producing things behind us, making it all happen. We'll look forward to seeing you again really soon. Take care. The Garden Gurus is back on your screens this weekend. Tune in to 9 and 9HD this Saturday at 4.30pm across all states. And if you'd like to catch up on the previous episode, tune in to 9 Life this Saturday at 5pm. When in doubt, make sure you check your local TV guide. <laughs>